Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show, The Big Show, the most important and critically acclaimed podcast that is recorded in our vehicle. And today we're in the Red Studio, driving down the road, heading towards the happening state of Iowa. That's where the tall corn grows. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm a little, got a little grindy today. That is where the tall corn grows. It's certainly not growing tall around here this year. We we are in the midst of a crop failure year here in North Missouri, at least parts of North Missouri. We're driving past crop that will soon be ground up into silage. And if you don't know what silage is, it is what happens when people who grow corn just cut it and stick it straight into what's known as a silage wagon. They take the silage and they have to prepare it so that the the cattle can eat it, stock and all. They have to prepare it in a special way. If it is still wet, they have to put it in what is known as a harvest store or something similar to that to dry it out. Because if you don't do that, it will be poisonous to the cattle. But that's way beyond the scope of our podcast today. Although our podcast today does have to do with critters. And cattle are critters. Just sort of. They're just very, very boring critters. Cattle actually kill a lot more human beings <clears throat> than lions and tigers and bears. And oh sharks. And sharks. But it's funny, yeah. Shark Week, all these all horrible sharks and everything like that. Well, yeah, cattle kill a lot more people than sharks do. Yeah. I know somebody who's been killed by his cattle. I do, too. I know somebody else who got killed by cattle. Yeah. And most of the time, it's usually a farming accident, to be fair. You know, they get crushed in a gate or, to, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But it does happen. And the, as the old country song says, and this is true and we've repeated it often, but for if you're a city person, you need to learn this. Don't mess with the bull. He can get real mean. And if you don't think I'm, you know, he's faster than you, he's much bigger than you, and he's meaner than you. He's deceptively faster than you because he looks slow and stupid because most of the time... He just stands there and looks at you with unadulterated hatred. Yes. There used to be this bull. We have a little bicycling route that we use out on a certain rural road that does virtually no traffic on it. It's paved, so we ride our bikes out there. And there used to be a bull out there. And uh, I called him He Hate Me because he had such a malevolent hatred look. Every time I rode by on my bicycle, you could just read his mind. He's like, you know, that fence really I, I just choose to stay here because that French really couldn't hold me if I wanted to go through it. Which is true. And kill you. In fact, nah, too nah, much work. Too much work. <laughs> <laughs> Was that bull? I mean, he, you should see, you could see the hatred in his eyes every time you went past him. The funny thing is, he didn't look at me with nearly as much hate. I think it's because I smell girly. Yeah, and go but right ahead. I spent the, uh, oh, some time in the past. Hiking around Yellowstone and the Tetons, uh, carrying a can of bear spray close at hand at all times. And it got me to thinking about the dangers of wild animals. And they're not always what you think. Wild animals can kill you, but in ways that you may not be thinking about. For one thing, absolutely the most dangerous animal on the planet, I bet Salty knows what this one is, responsible for more human deaths than any other by far. I'm driving, so go right ahead. The Mosquito. Closely followed, well, not closely, but second uh, place, tsetse fly, which carries African sleeping sickness. Which we don't have so much around here as the mosquito we do. I mean, No, we don't have tsetse flies. We have uh, other biting flies, but they don't happen to carry that disgusting disease. The thing is that uh, insect bites often, and arthropod bites like ticks, often carry communicable disease. 
that's responsible for a large number of deaths. Uh, Washington, D.C. was considered a high-hazard posting in early American history because of all the malaria. Yeah, Washington is built on a swamp. For those of you who don't know, it is built on a Potomac River swamp. And now that the swamps are all gone, it's... Yeah. Well, I mean, it's still Washington, and we don't talk about politics on 3 but <laughs> environmentally, it, it's at least not a swamp anymore. And New Orleans was a, a hazardous uh, post. And all of Florida. Florida was lightly inhabited until the development of air conditioning, because oh, yeah. it was such so hazardous and miserable with the heat and the humidity. And so, uh, we're going to tell you, we talked about this before, because we've been, it's one of my favorite places on the planet, because it's really an interesting story for top to bottom. It's a place called Tate's Hell. And, uh, <clears throat> sorry, now Tate's Hell has been basically commercially logged years ago, and and they had, uh, it's been logged, it's been channelized, it's been, you know. Drained. Drained, it's been. All kinds of stuff, and they're they're starting to restore it now. But um, and the the actual draining and commercialization of Tate's Hell destroyed the local ecology to the point where they just shut it down. It was it wasn't just one of these uh, oh we're getting a little short of spotted owl kind of a things. It was a okay you're making life in this part of the state unlivable sort of things. Tate's so, Hill is a uh, was a large swampy area in in Florida, by the way, on the top Northern of the Panhandle. Florida, in the Panhandle. And um, the reason it's called Tate's Hell is you go ahead and tell tell the story. Well, a guy was out hunting with his dogs, and he got misplaced. And it's and, a big area. Yeah. And if you've never been in a true Florida swamp in the summer. You don't re- understand how hellish it can be. So, because every step you're, you know, falling into water that's calf deep, and there's things to trip over every step of the way, and muck, and poisonous snakes, and alligators, and, and lime- biting, biting, biting everything, and limestone sinkholes, and, and surprisingly little food. It's just hell. Yeah. <laughs> And the water's all nasty and skunky. So yeah. eventually Tate found his way out. And he came up to a, a farmhouse and asked for help. And they asked who he was. I'm Tate, and I've just come from hell. So it's been known since then as Tate's Hell. And it's an interesting place. But, you know, if you look at the uh, biting and the biting and the stinging and the gnawing. And the, <laughs> and the, we were in the glades. Actually, it was the middle of winter. It was the dry, or it was the middle of the dry season. I, I don't remember whether it was winter or not, but it was the it middle was. of the dry season. It was our winter break, and um, we were in the glades. And by the way, here's a tip: if you live in the north and you take a winter vacation, go south. Get away from the weather. Just a tip. Okay, uh, but so we're in, we're in the glades, and really, it hadn't been bad. The mosquitoes weren't bad. And I saw this beautiful light situation. I'm a photographer, so I stopped, and I got out and started taking pictures of this pool. And the wife walks over and starts looking at some biological something or other. She's a biologist. 
And all of a sudden, it's the middle of the day, maybe a little bit towards afternoon. And the sun was out. And the sun was out. But all of a sudden, we awoke the biting black flies of the Everglades. And a cloud of them rose like the ghost of damned souls or something and descended upon us. Want to see how fast we could run? (laughs) We're like, okay, we're done. (laughs) Wow. And we were wearing bug repellent and everything. They didn't care. They were like... Buffet! <laughs> hey, look, they've opened up the buffet. Let's get some. Uh, yeah, we left. Wow. So the first thing is, when you think of animals, you may not think of that, but that's ac- actually your biggest life and well-being threat is the biting insects because of the disease transmission. And that's going to get worse when all the, if, all the governmental suppression of those insect populations goes down. Similarly... Disease transmission through uh, rats and mice is a big deal. We still have plague in the American Southwest. And in dry years, when the mice get desperate and start to in- in invade homes, we have a few cases every dry year from people trying to clean out their uh, storage spaces or whatever, and they're sweeping up mouse dust, and they get the plague from the uh, fleas uh, and the residues on the feces and things. Now, there's good news, and there's bad news when it comes to the plague. And we have actually have an article on 3BY about the plague. It's really actually pretty good. You ought to check it out. Um, <clears throat> just go on there and do search for plague. There's good news and there's bad news about the plague. The good news is that antibiotics pretty much knock the plague. The bad news is there's something called antibiotic resistance. Which so far has not been found in the plague. Which so far has not been found. But that's in the a so plague. far. That's so far. Yeah, when people start abusing the kinds of antibiotics that are used on the plague and they're used more frequently, antibiotic resistance is pretty much a given to spring up. And, and it takes a fair bit of antibiotics. It's not a three-day course and you're done. It's kind of like tuberculosis. I, I've been reading a lot about Ooh. tuberculosis, which was known back in the old Ooh. days as consumption. Nasty one. Nasty, nasty disease. Yeah, you can cure that with pretty much today with antibiotics, but it's not just a take three pills for for five days kind of a thing. It is uh, no longer possible to kill all strains of tuberculosis with antibiotics. There are yeah. some strains now that are completely antibiotic resistant. So, and if that doesn't terrify public health people, I don't know anything that does. Because consumption's bad. It's mnemonic. Uh, it's just It's bad. progressive and fatal if you don't have the antibiotics, and that's basically it. Um, so disease transmission through the small animals is the biggest risk. But, you know, let's get kind of to the headliners, because that ain't, you know, interesting. That ain't sexy and cool, you know, getting bitten by a mosquito and getting a fever, yeah, whatever. But even I can tell you what the what the next biggest problem is, but it's not the headliner. You want to go, the head- go ahead and take care of the headliners first, though? No, they're in the same order of animals as the headliners. Mm-hmm. So go ahead with the next biggest threat. The way I see it, the next biggest threat, especially not so much as now because we have ways of taking care of these things, but the next biggest threat in, and we're going to go for a prep for preppers because this we're talking about prepping stuff here. The next biggest animal threat to your life, in my opinion, is. The garden and food pests. 
because we can control them pretty well right now in when the stuff isn't hitting the fan through all kinds of herbicides for for non-animal pests and insecticides and and uh, controls and stuff like that. But in a stuff hits the fan situation, pests are going to be a real big deal. Think back to all of the crop failures caused by grasshopper plagues. Grasshopper plagues used to be a thing. It really did. They're still a thing in Africa. Yeah, they're they're horrible, and they, they'll just wipe out a a, a crop. A whole we, we cloud have, of them descends. We and... have a plague in our. Or we have several plagues in our little garden space. We have the zucchini squash bugs that we could put the chemicals on to keep them away, but we don't like chemical food. We don't like we like natural. We food. like chemical food. We don't like artificial. Well, we don't like pesticide Pesticide, chemicals on our food. Yes. Sprayed on our food. We don't like All food is made of chemicals. I I just couldn't let that slide. But you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) The pesticides and stuff. The artificial pesticides. Would rather lose the squash mid-season than have pesticides in the garden and and on everything we're eating. And, like, the zucchinis are are a two-edged sword because the, the squash bugs can wipe out zucchinis basically overnight. But zucchinis can grow basically overnight. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those deals where, well, you know, we do have squash bugs, but it's still popping out zucchini. So, well, there we are. Yeah, I often lose my my squash to squash bugs because I don't want to put the uh, pesticide on them. But I have lots of neighbors who don't make that choice. And when the zucchinis start coming in, they've got more than they can use. And they're begging people to take zucchini often. So, not as much this year. Not as much this year, but my plants lasted longer, so we did okay. And then there's the other kind of, of garden pest. And and for this, we have, right now, we don't have a great solution because we don't want to get arrested. <laughs> but if the stuff hits the fan, we're going to be de-squirreling our area. Yeah. That would be one of my first things to do is de-squirrel my area. The fences keep out the groundhogs and the uh, rabbits, which are also will yeah. also decimate a garden. De-squirrel and de-pest them. We, for example, we had a peach tree. We have a peach tree. The peach tree's fine. And the peach trees were coming. The peaches were coming in. It was looking good. It wasn't as good a year as some of the blossoms got knocked by some late frost, but yeah, we were getting some. And we started to harvest a little bit. A couple of good ones had fallen off, and. And, you know, it was starting to get right about time to start harvesting them. And she looked at them and, ah, let them go another day. So I'm, I'm driving Brown back behind the yeah, house. Yeah, I looked at them at 8 o'clock in the morning. Right. And so that afternoon, I'm driving back down the road, so, and I see a little tree rat, a squirrel, carrying off one of her um, peaches. And I'm like, whoa, a little jerk. And that's not the word I use. This is a, this is a G-rated podcast, but I will tell you that is not the word I used. You little jerk! I said. So I go around and I look at the tree, and there's not many peaches left on it. I mean, this this tree was pretty full with peaches that morning. So I get, I literally get on the phone to her in the house, saying, "Hey, you really need to go out and take a look at your peach tree." You need to harvest any peaches you're going to harvest because there ain't going to be any left by morning. 
And you tell your side. So I, I went out and checked my tree. And uh, due to the frost, I'd only had like a dozen uh, peaches left on there to harvest. And a few, a couple had already come off. So Yeah, I'd eaten some of them. But there were about a dozen left. I'd been keeping track of them. There'd been a dozen that morning. And I went out, and there were three. That little sucker, or those little suckers, had taken nine peaches in a day. Nine peaches in five hours. That's how fast it can happen. Now, we're going to take remedial steps next year. I already have, this, I already have it planned out. They make tree wraps. That is a large collection of people. Looks like they're auctioning some farm equipment today. Or sell. Or having a big sale. Yes, they are. Well, but, well, that's not what we're doing. And there's a plane just barely hanging up there in the sky. Oh, yeah, there's the airport's right there. Okay. <laughs> like, why is that, ha- that, that plane no. just barely hanging up? Oh, it's taking off. Never mind. You can't see the airport at Memphis from the for the hill. And no, I'm not talking about Memphis, Tennessee. I have no idea where their airport is. Yes, I do. It's right next to the highway because it's got all those FedEx planes in it. Uh-huh. But anyway, pressing right along. So, yeah, garden pests. And, and we're going to do a separate post on the whole uh, pests raiding the garden problem soon. Maybe two because we've got – there's two different aspects of it. Right. So – We'll just let that lay and move on. Right. And we're going to do an air gun post. That's one of the two. Oh, well, yeah. yes. I'm going to do an air gun post because we, you, that, funnily, funnily, <laughs> what we did the next day is we went and made sure that the air gun was sighted in. <laughs> I'll let, leave it to your imagination what I was visualizing on the target as I was sighting in the pellet gun. But, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Oh. But there are actually some big vertebrate animals that will, what people think of when they think about dangerous wild animals, things that will pose a life hazard. To some extent they do now, but will to a greater extent if there is a large disruption of the controls we currently have in place and human movement patterns and food availability and stuff like that. There's going to be some other big problems. But again, it's probably not what you're thinking. Yeah. The biggest one is not anything that you'd see on Shark Week or Grizzly Week or anything like that. Night of the Grizzlies. Night of the Grizzlies. We'll talk about Night we'll of the Grizzlies that. here yeah, in a bit, an though. Interesting, interesting. Uh, but thing. the actual biggest threat, and it's actually a threat now in rural areas, feral dogs. Yeah, dog. You wouldn't think about it. Dogs. What dogs? Dog packs. It's a real thing. If you do not control dogs and especially if you don't feed them well they immediately find other dogs and form packs and those packs have no fear of humans in fact they have some members who are used to bossing around their humans and it's often those little dogs that are allowed to boss around their humans little jerks that instigate the big trouble they'll go after somebody like say a cyclist who's riding by the stupid little <laughs> dog we we'll go the after the cyclist, yeah. And then the big pack mates, who have been better trained because people are more afraid of the bigger dogs, who wouldn't have attacked on their own, feel compelled to jump in on the side of their, their pack mate. And now you've got the three dogs with jaws as wide as my head 
coming after me instead of just the stupid little football-sized thing. <laughs> what do I see? That tried it football. in the first place. Yeah, I think of footballs when I think of that guy. Yeah. I normally abhor animal of, abuse, yeah. but anything that tries to bite me while I'm riding my bike down the street, if it gets kicked, it shouldn't have had its face there. Yeah, well, I, I've actually had a, a owner of a dog yell at me, you kicked my dog. I was riding a bicycle, and your dog's mouth was where my foot was. Think about it. <laughs> I didn't come over into your yard and kick your dog. I kicked your dog as it was trying to bite my foot. I kicked your dog in the teeth because the teeth were going for my foot at the time. That's actually often the best cure for dogs that chase bicycles is to have them catch one once because they tend to, to snap onto the pedals. And the pedal is going round, and the dog has a bad <laughs> Yeah, I've had that happen. I, I've lifted my foot where the dog just chomped, grabbed the pedal, and I just kicked it. I was wearing cleats at the time, which means I, my other foot was collected, connected to the pedal, and I just kicked it on around. And, man, that dog just rolled. It was its own punishment. And that dog never came for me again. I mean, you know. And, all right, you're, you may be a dog owner. This is my heart out to dog owners, okay? If your dog is acting aggressive and you give me that, Oh, he wouldn't hurt anybody. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. I was standing there having that conversation. How many times have you been bitten at by a dog that wouldn't hurt anybody? Uh, bitten, full stop. Once I was standing there having the conversation with somebody, and she was telling me he would never do that. And the dog was standing right there. And the dog, at that, reached down and bit the tire of my bike. He would never go after a bicycle. He's just barking. And the dog reaches down and bites the tire. Then I show her his teeth marks on my shoe, which is why I stopped in the first place. So, yeah, he will. But I expect the problem to be much worse when people stop right. feeding their dogs. And, and I will be carrying Mr. Glock, and Mr. Pepper Spray is also very useful, or Bear Spray. Oh, Bear Spray. The dogs hate Bear Spray. <laughs> yeah. Bear Spray is an excellent protection. Check your local ordinances. And don't, unless you absolutely positively have to do not shoot a human being with bear spray because bear spray is not considered a normal self-defense weapon it's considered an aggravated weapon in most places so yeah it's a higher concentration and a higher amount delivered because you're meant to spray it 40 feet away from you to make a cloud to stop the bear from charging through it it's what bear spray is designed for so it's more potent i could wear but, bear, bear bells <laughs> dinner bells, they call them. <laughs> they call them dinner bells. Bear bells are called dinner bells. Yeah. To be fair, I think they actually do work, at least somewhat. Oh, yeah. On bears that have not been acculturated to humans, they work because the bears will leave people alone. Until, and they don't, you're not surprising them. Until the 1970s, uh, grizzly bears were not considered a threat to humans, even in places where they were abundant like say Glacier National Park, and we're gonna we're gonna actually do a, a, a pod. Are we gonna do a podcast on that? Or are we just gonna we talk can, about it here? Uh, we can do a podcast on that because uh, it's we're a, gonna do a podcast on the a, Night of the Grizzlies. It's a useful, it's such an interesting message. There's so many le prepping lessons to learn in Night of the Grizzlies, and it's not just about grizzly bears. There's so many prepping lessons to learn in that particular uh, adventure or misadventure, I guess it would be. Very much a misadventure, but yeah. Uh, here's a hint, though. If you're going to a national park, okay, and they have grizzly bears, okay, and they, they, they have these little signs that says, hard-sided camping only. Here's a hint. 
be in a hard-sided camper only. Yeah. And Don't watch, be careless watch about yourself your when you go out to powder your nose. Okay? Because you don't want to trip over one of those guys. No, you don't. Now, they're much better than they used to be in most cases. The The Park Service is much better about making sure people don't. Too I mean, stupid. They, the dumps and everything like that. But we're not going to go into that in this podcast. That's beyond the, the pale yeah. of what we're doing here. So, feral dogs, biggest threat. And you wouldn't think so, but it's true. You'd think cougars and jaguars and stuff like that. Well, cougars, at least in America. It, uh, jaguars in Florida. In Florida, yeah. Uh, you would think that they were, you know, the big threat, but they're not. They're really not a big threat. I mean, yeah, they'd pop the occasional kid if they could get them, you know, at night, wandering around in the woods at night. If you have a three-year-old wandering around in the woods at night, the jaguar would probably take it. Or the, or the occasional uh, cyclist, mountain biker, yeah. gets attacked by yeah. a cougar. There's something yeah. about the movement of a bike that triggers a but, aggressive instinct. <clears throat> you know, unless you're doing that, you're probably pretty safe from them. Now, they are starting to infiltrate cities, and that's the next thing on my list, is wild animals that have started moving into cities, having little choice, because human habitation is expanded as it is. Got to live somewhere. Well, if, if there are people where I got to live, then I'll have to deal with people. Uh, and there's my, a lot, people have a lot of sloppy habits. They have a lot of waste, so there's a lot of food laying around in a, around people. So... It's just a yeah. Uh, actually, I think the biggest wild animal threat is coyotes, because we don't we think of coyotes as being these little scavenging guys and stuff like that. But if they are not outcompeted by wolves, they are serious uh, pack attacking large animal predators. They take out antelopes and uh, buffalo calves or bison calves and things like that if they're not outcompeted by the wolves of the area. And then there's the red wolves. The red wolves, which aren't actually wolves, but turns out they're a hybrid between wolves and coyotes. Oh, wolf and coyote, yeah. yeah. That's why I was laughing. But, um, you know, if you are any kind of a, a wilderness person or a wildlife person at all, this should be a big red flag to you when she says a bison calf. Because generally when you have a bison calf, you've got to go through bison mama to do it. And these are herd animals, okay? There's not a lot of bison hanging out by themselves that are females with calves. You nope. will have bachelors hanging out by themselves. That's, all, that's very common. But any coyote pack that can take down a full bachelor bison is a tougher pack than I want. Yeah, <laughs> they don't they, generally have a problem with that. Remember that story? Maybe in deep winter and deep snow. The story I gave you, don't mess with the bull. He can get real mean. Yeah. Well, that's bison. They And they do. They, they'll get mean. They will. There are people killed, have been several people killed in Yellowstone by bison because they thought it would be cute to take pictures with their kid on the freaking bison. They put their kids on the bison. They're not tame, guys. They're not. So, yeah, and it's usually guys who get killed. Even if they put the kid on the bison, it's not the kid who's gotten killed in Yellowstone. It's the dad who's doing it. I think they smell testosterone and hate testosterone. You have testosterone and you are not me. You are competing for my females. I will kill you. That looks like their attitude. Um, I don't blame them. 
But anyway, coyotes have become so acculturated to humans. Doc, my hiking partner, has a pack of them living in the dry riverbed that passes for a river in the desert southwest where she lives, right in the middle of a city. And they're raising their pups back there. You think they're not going to start attacking things when they can't get enough food from the garbage dumps? I think they're going to be attacking things. Right now, animal control is trapping and killing all the ones who get aggressive and cause problems. But if that service is not available, you better be providing that service for yourself. Because the coyotes will be a problem. And to some extent, the other animals, like the occasional cougar or black bear that has infiltrated the cities and gotten used to people, will be a problem. Sorry if I'm being quiet. I had to stop kind of drive for a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is my turn. And yay, we're coming down a road that was just oiled. Woohoo! Sorry, car. Uh, Chip and Seal Roads. If you're not familiar with Chip and Seal Roads, we got them all over the place here in North Missouri. It's and a method of repaving that a leaves a lot of just... nasty debris on the road yeah. until it settles. Oh, well, it's what it is. Yeah. Pressing right along. What other animals are we going to talk about today? Now I think we're actually to the ones that most people think about when they think about dangerous animals. Grizzly bears, wolves. Grizzly bears and wolves. Yeah. Tigers. Top predators. Tigers will kill you. Now, I, I, what are, we're going to talk about in another podcast, and Paranoid Prepper just did recently, at least when this is recorded recently. Who knows when this will get on the air? Um, as supposedly on the air. It's when it, who knows when it will go out over the interwebs. But Paranoid Prepper just did a, a really good uh, Prepper Fiction versus Fact article. And we're going to do a podcast on the same thing, too. But this is one of the Prepper Fiction things that comes up in at least a couple of the series that I think is so interesting. Uh, the Dies the Fire dystopian universe where, like, gunpowder stops working. Really good series for the first few books. One of the big problems is tigers because they let the tigers loose and tigers like america now keep in mind this was native country for tigers saber tooth tigers the last ice age we were tiger country here and tigers are genuine man eaters they're the real deal when it comes to chomping on and it's not just it was whichever one it was siegfried or roy i forget which one it was it got chomped People doing stupid things like sticking, doing tiger shows, which was a really dumb idea. Sorry, it was. Um, people getting chomped by tigers is a real thing. And interesting fact, in what country do most of the world's tigers live? The U.S. The U.S. Most people don't know that. We have more tigers in this country than anywhere else in the world. Think about that for a minute. <laughs> if, these, if the stuff hits the fan and somebody lets these things loose. Yeah, we've got a um, big cat rehabilitation place not too far from where we live. And I don't trust those fences would hold the animals if the animals started getting really hungry. We've been to zoos. Man, I, remember, I forget where the one zoo was we were, we were at. Kansas. It yeah, was it Kansas. was one of the Kansas zoos. And we were walking by the tiger enclosure and there's the tigers... And there's this uh, eight-foot-tall fence with the inward-leaning 
wire on top. Okay. Normally enough to stop a tiger. But then there's a four-foot-tall rock. Sitting right next to the fence. That's located within 10 feet of the fence. And, and we've I'm seen how that. cats can jump, okay? Yeah. And interestingly, this was just, we were visiting this just after a tiger jumped out of the Cincinnati, I believe it was Cincinnati? One of the zoos, I think it was Cincinnati, jumped out of the exhibit to chomp on the person who was taunting it. Now, it turns out that the enclosure had been that way for years, and the tigers had stayed put, no problem. But then some teenage boys decided it would be fun to start throwing things at the tiger. And they were throwing a bunch of things and bouncing old shoes off the tiger and things like that. The tiger got annoyed, turned around, ran to the back of its enclosure where it knew perfectly well that it could get out, jumped right out, ran around, grabbed one of the kids, killed him. Right. He knew he could make it. He knew. So that tells you that tiger knew the whole time that he could get out of there. And, you know, here's the thing. It may have all it may have gotten out there at night. It may have chose to return. Yeah, I've seen rats, rats do that when the they got out. They'd go yeah. right back to their cages because that's where their food is and that's where they sleep. So, yeah, it's a real thing. But anyway, tigers are man-eaters. Now, I'm not going to say you sit around and worry about tigers, but it's just something to keep in mind. Um, a lot of the man-eaters really aren't man-eaters. Grizzly bears are not man-eaters. Not Jim, naturally. Not naturally. Well, some of them will pop a human just because they're hungry. You're much more likely <laughs> to get, mostly get hurt by a grizzly bear if you try and mess with it. Or, in truth, if you try and feed it. Or regularly feed it. Or go to areas where they lose their fear of man. Or mess with their cubs. That'll get you killed. Yeah. Uh, tell your tell your cub story. Yeah, I was uh, in, there were black bears, in Yellowstone. Yeah, it happened once with black bears and once with grizzlies. Okay. And they have these things called bear jams in Yellowstone, where somebody sees a bear, and bears are so cool, they want to stop and take a picture, but there's no pullout right where they are, so they stop in the middle of the road to take a picture. They fiddle around for five minutes, and then the people behind them see what's there, and they stop and start taking pictures. And pretty soon, there was one bear jam. It took us an hour to get through, because so many people had stopped. And I will and you attach. You can see the pictures of it. <laughs> I, yeah, but my picture is bad because it was taken through a windshield while we were moving. Because Doc and I did not want to be that guy. And when we got to the place where you could actually see the bears, we didn't stop and take pictures of the bears. We just drove on by, and I did my best quick shot through the window, which was turned out to be not bad. Except both bears had their butts to me. Oh well. But anyway. It was pretty bad. I, yeah. I had to do a little post-processing on that one. But anyway, it didn't matter. I mean, it's, she wasn't there to photograph bears. No. She and, had a camera in case there were bears, but she wasn't there to photograph bears. There's and I certainly... bunny on the road. Yep. There's a little bugger right. There's yeah, a little garden right over there. The garden, yeah, we're <laughs> in, we're in uh, absolute uh, Amish country here, and I guarantee you these Amish people are not at all upset that the bunny is not in their gardens. Yeah. So people are stopping to take pictures. Uh, we got a bear jam. And by the time we get up to one of these bear jams, there's a whole bunch of people out of their cars on the side of the road. And we get out there, and I see why. About 25 yards in, there's a bear cub up a tree. And then there's another bear cub gambling around on the ground. And it's pretty much the cutest thing ever. 
But where's Mama? You can't see her. Don't see Mama. Where you've got bears, uh, cubs of that age, there's almost certainly Mama right around there. And there are people getting out of their cars and getting within 25 feet of the cubs to and take pictures of them. they don't know where Mom is. And they don't know where Mom is. And I can tell you this. You think you can out... Maybe you do. I don't know. You think you can outrun a bear. You can't outrun a bear. There's no, no way. Mama wants you... You're going to get chomped, period. And it's not that she is necessarily going to try and kill you and eat you. She's When sows attack people to protect their cubs, they generally just... That's when you're supposed to play dead with a bear attack. If a bear wants to eat you, playing dead does not help. But if a bear is attacking you because it's surprised or because it's defending its, sow, its cubs, then playing dead often works because... Once you quit resisting, they figured they have accomplished their purpose and everything is safe now, and they'll leave you be and go on. But I have seen a bear slap another bear. Oh, yeah, that one we saw. Yeah, oh, my uh, God. And it was just a little <laughs> reminiscent slap, like bad, bad big cub, no, no biscuit kind of slap from one bear to another. And since it was hitting a grizzly bear, it was no big deal. But yeah. you're not a grizzly bear. But not, I would have been flying have 23... Two-inch thick skull. 20 yards through the air with a crushed skull if I got hit like that. I saw the slab. It was just like, whoa. I mean, we, we both kind of... We were both, we were both watching this bear. And we kind of looked at each other going, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> Those guys really slap when they slap. So, yeah, even one casual get-away-from-my-cub slap is pretty likely to be fatal to a human being. So, don't be stupid and disrespect them, even if, oh, it's just a black bear kind of thing. Black, black bears have killed more people than grizzly bears have. Yeah. Wolves and they're not aggressive. Very seldom kill people. Uh, even historically, they are very seldom killed people. That was basically only a winter and they're desperate and they catch somebody kind of thing. I will give you a caveat. Wolves very rarely kill people in North America. It was a real deal in Siberia, <laughs> where there is no other food. Wool packs in Siberia killed a lot of people. But we're not in Siberia, so. so wow, the road's really nice here. We must come over the state line into Iowa. Yeah, no doubt. Iowa, Iowa. Where they really paved the roads. <laughs> Iowa. Iowa. To be fair, they have a lot That's fewer bridges. A lot fewer bridges than Missouri, so they have more money to spend on their flat roads. Yes. So that's the deal. It's Although the big predators are a thing, and I would be cautious about them, the biggest thing with the big predators is not to surprise them and not to do stupid around them. I think that the feral dogs and coyotes and things will be a much bigger actual health risk. And the rats. Uh, the yeah. The, the disease transmission is absolutely the biggest thing. Right. So, are we good? Are we going to take this one on out? Don't get eaten by a bear. Always good advice. All right. Bye. <laughs>